Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, oh, yeah. Buggery, buggery, dogs. Indeed, it is Friday, January 15th, 2021. This right here with the orange background on Fridays is Morning Combat, brought to you by the great folks at CBS Sports, Showtime, Malka, and beyond. Thank you for coming. My name is Brian Campbell, the big-ass beige one of the moment in your face hole. Fridays, we have fun around here. This guy hosting. We set the stage for the weekend and we make this man next to me a superstar. That guy right over there, that big, sweaty Sagittarius, he is an employee of CBS Sports. He's the best in the world at what he does, which is break down fights after watching them 49 consecutive times. He is Luke Thomas. Luke, you are in some kind of mood today, so uh, so I'm, I'm ready for anything here, brother. But uh, how you feeling? How is it? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm ready for the fights tomorrow. It was I, I haven't watched any MMA since Christmas, I think, or like somewhere around there. Like not Don't even. Don't forget that great Risen card in between Christmas and now. Oh like, yes, I mean, so I did watch that. Sorry, I did watch that. But since since that, so basically what now? Sixteen or so days. Uh, I haven't watched any MMA. It was a nice little detox, I have to tell you. But I watched some tape last night in preparation for today's show. Ready to go, ho. Ichiban, brother. <laughs> Luckily, JMMA has kept us satiated, but the UFC is back this weekend. Uh, a little bit of business to clean up, of course. Uh, first, a reminder, all right? Your favorite sports fight talk show, they're just talking, okay? They ain't an artist like this, okay? We're the the Rembrandts of this space, the John Coltrane's, the toulouse Lautrecs, right? We are the true artistes of what we do here. Don't forget that MK is a rocket ship. That has taken it off, and it is going high and far and deep inside of your face hole at the moment. So uh, why don't you help us out by giving back, and that is wearing our merch. Check this stuff out, okay? You want to look good in the new year? I mean, no one's going to see you because you're indoors, but you want to put on this MK merch. Why don't you head on over to store.show.com? Uh, you want a tumbler? I'll tumble for you, okay? All right? That's what we're going to do here. Great stuff. It fits great. It feels great. Just ask Bill and Jen and their RV. I mean, that's the only clothes they got, and it looks great on them, all right? Uh, please do that, uh, Luke. Uh, also, you want to try Showtime? And it'd be a great time to do that because Showtime Championship Boxing is back uh, next week, by the way. Uh, you can get it for 30 days for free going to Showtime.com. And if you need one reason to do it, okay? How about that uh, Comedy Store documentary series, okay? Yeah, check it. Check that out. Big Brown shows up in that. So check that out indeed. Uh, Luke, um, are you? Uh, have you built any barricades in the front yard for the inauguration next week? Everything good with that in the nation's capital? No. No, I'm pretty far away. I think it'll be, oh, I mean, far enough away, I should say. I think it'll be uh, okay, but could get a little dicey. I guess we're going to, there's no way to really know. I guess we're going to see. So I'm going to basically just remain reasonably optimistic and then hope 
that the world doesn't end. And that's it. All right. All right. Well, well, thoughts and prayers out to you and your people, Luke, as well. I mean, this is a crazy time. Pat Militich just lost his announcing job. It's crazy out there, Luke. All right. It's a. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, don't take pictures with people giving white supremacist signs is basically the seems like fairly obvious advice. But I maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, maybe you are indeed. Uh, as we as we record this, oh, by the way, uh, Dana White is meeting with Habib Nurmagomedov. More on that to come. If there's any breaking news, we will jump on top of that as well. But, Luke, are you ready to start it off here? we got a lot to get into Let's for this weekend. I am ready to go, my friend. Please. All right. The UFC is back, fresh off an incredible 2020. Despite the quarantine and the pandemic, they returned to Fight Island with the first of three cards in eight days. Of course, you're going to get Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, too, in a little more than a week. But a big one this Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time in the afternoon, is the beginning of that main card, UFC on ABC1. From Etihad Arena, expected 2,000 in attendance and a really good main event. You want to talk about the potential for all actions. Featherweights, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater, both ranked in the top 10. A lot at stake here. Luke, when you look at this matchup, when you put on those analysis glasses that you wear each day, what are you looking to see the most that will decide who wins this fight when these two touch gloves Saturday? Um, you know, these guys, there's a fair amount of tape on both of them. Obviously, a lot more for Holloway, especially in the more championship upper level kind of fights. But their records are pretty similar in terms of the overall number of fights. In fact, I think they're, uh, let's see, almost close, to, they're almost the same. It's 21 and 6 for Max Holloway versus 22 and 4 for Calvin Cater. These, these guys, there's a fair, I mean, you can know a lot about them by watching. Their last three or four fights, they a lot of them tend to go several rounds. In the case of Cater and Ige, it went full, full five. So you really have a sense of what these guys do when they're when they're doing well. And what I mean to say is, whenever I think about who wins a fight, more often than not, what they tend to do is they tend to um, examine what are the conditions under which my opponent does well. Now, what can I do with my existing skills to take that away? With Calvin Cater, he is, uh, again, slow starter is a bit of an uh, exaggeration, but he is better later than earlier, okay, so that's one thing. So, you know, getting a strong start, I think, would probably be a benefit to Max Holloway. But more than that, Cater doesn't throw a ton of volume. He's a good counter striker, um, and he eats a lot of leg kicks, less so than he used to. I think that's somewhat of an overstated thing, but it is something you could take advantage of, uh, adding in throughout the pieces there. Um, and tends to throw boxing combinations in concert with stationary opponents that he feints with his rear leg. He does a lot of rear leg feinting, a lot of teeping against uh, aggressing opponents. So for Max Holloway, um, and he also has a three-inch reach advantage over Holloway. Holloway has, by contrast, a much higher output. He gets hit a lot, but he also lands a lot too. In fact, both guys have a little bit of this. Um, but he's got a three-inch reach disadvantage, and he really has to get inside that range. So here's what I'm looking for. For Calvin Cater, it's really going to be about whether he is leading or whether he is backing up. It is going to be about countering. The counters are going to have to be huge to deter the volume and the pressure, I think, potentially, of Max Holloway. It's going to be getting out of the way of those leg kicks. It's going to be nimble footwork, and it's going to be letting those boxing combinations go. If he's throwing one or two shots and then moving, that's really not the way he does his best work, traditionally speaking. By contrast... Um, if you're Max Holloway, if you see a lot of volume from him and a lot of it is landing, if he's getting off first and the, and the counters, by the way, for um, 
for Cater uh, 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 are not landing. Uh, if Cater's not really able to use that real leg, the real leg kick due to pressure because I think he's going to be getting turned a lot. One thing that folks don't really realize about Max Holloway, he's very good about turning opposition constantly so they can't set, they can't really get things going the way they normally would. You know, These are the things you're looking for. These are the ways in which they tend to have a bit of strength. The one last thing I would add is Cater can fight backing up. You saw he knocked out Jeremy Stevens really well. He can play with range a lot. He'll freeze you with the teep and then he'll come charging over with an overhand that you don't see coming. He'll change both the type of strike he's throwing and then the speed and the range at which he throws it, which is why he was able to land that elbow on Jeremy Stevens eventually as well. Playing with that range is going to be interesting. Max really kind of has to do it. But the key is, I tend to think, he, or excuse me, I tend to think Cater is better, tend to, when he's pressuring versus when he's getting pressured. He can win either way. I think his best work comes like that. So a few of these details, BC, for me, are what I'm going to be paying attention to. Yeah, yeah, good stuff right there. And certainly uh, no shortage of stakes here. Max Holloway coming in as the number one ranked featherweight. You'd have to believe a victory here gets him really right back to the damn title, considering he's lost two in a row to Volkanovski, but obviously that rematch last July, UFC 251, was as disputed or split as you can uh, you can have there. Uh, it's hard for anybody to get a trilogy after losing the first two. But, look, I have to believe against the number six-ranked Cater that Max gets the win here. He's going to be looking very pretty, looking in a, being in a great spot to get that. Obviously, for Cater, we talked about sort of the, the storylines heading in earlier this week. This is his opportunity to crash the party of the very elite and get a monster big fight after this. But how you just laid out the X's and O's of what we should expect right now, this fight's not going to go to the ground, Luke, right? And if it's not going to go to the ground... Hard to see that, yeah. You know, uh, Cater's reach advantage is going to be interesting. I certainly respect his power and his toughness. But Max has shown you, specifically in that Volkanovski rematch, that IQ-wise, that distance management-wise, that volume-wise, he's just super elite. He's of the elite top shelf. So do you believe that Calvin Cater can win a decision against Max Holloway or he's got to go in there and do something that we just haven't seen against the elite version of Max Holloway, which is go in there and knock him out. Uh, here's what's interesting. M you know, Max is 29. He's actually younger than Cater. Um, let me read you some stats here that I pulled. So Max lands 6.47 strikes per minute and absorbs 4.52, which is extremely high on both ends. He lands a lot of damage. He eats a lot of it. Here's the interesting part about it. Calvin Cater lands five per minute, which is also very high. But he eats 5.66. He eats more than he lands, which is a negative differential and not necessarily all that great. I think, to me, one thing you can expect is it's probably going to be a slugfest both ways, coming and going. Oh, yeah. Um, but of the two, unless he is kind of trashed at this point, which I don't think is the reality, you know, uh, Max is going to have the better chin, I think. And I think that's going to make a pretty big difference. He's going to be more voluminous and a better jab. To answer your question, uh, if Max can't take a shot, this is a big problem for him because his entire style is predicated a little bit on blood and guts. I mean, it's much more than that. Strategy, it's smarts, it's a lot of things. But it's a lot of blood and guts. I'm looking to see like how fresh does Max look. Those fights with Volkanovski, they, you know, he got he got landed on, but he didn't get beat up actually. Like he didn't yeah. leave with a busted eye or a broken rib. So. He should be in good shape here. If he's not, that would be a really bad sign for him. And the problem for sort of betting on Cater as a live dog here is you have to be betting on what you just said, that Max isn't going to be the same Max. And although he's been in 
a million fights and many, you know, exciting wars. He's still only 29. Every time I think there's something bad coming for Max, that it's going to be a slow recovery from that whole incident, right? Coming off of 223 and then the Bisping interview. Good God, he came back in the next fight and just absolutely showed us that he's so adaptable and 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 able to bounce back and able to just constantly stay at that elite level. Luke, long term, I don't know. You know, he's got a style long term that I hope I hope it does his health well. But right now, I just can't bet on that idea that we're going to see a diminished max, not what recent memory has shown me. And it's weird to be this confident, obviously, about a guy who has lost three or four coming in. We can't avoid that. It's the the Poirier fight, which was like an instant classic at a weight class above, and the two Volkanovski fights, which were not only really close, but as you mentioned, not a lot of damage. Those were chess matches in many ways. So I just can't see Max coming in as anything but elite Max. And, and under that heading, Luke, Cater is tough as balls. If you are not of, you know, of, of a certain ilk, he'll get you out of there. But if you are... I haven't seen that yet from Calvin Cater that he can make the biggest of leaps. He made the leaps from, you know, tough guy to quasi contender here to make that next leap. I don't think you can do that against a guy like Max. Too smart, too savvy, too versatile, too tough at the end of the day. So, Luke, this is the perfect matchup to get potentially really good ratings in the afternoon on ABC and to, you know, draw in casual fans who don't watch a lot because it'll be fun as heck and it'll be on the feet. But Cater's tailor-made for Holloway. Deal with that. It is true. Sort of. I mean, the one thing I would say is tailor-made, I don't know. But Volkanovsky, to the point we were just making, you know, Volkanovsky, I, I mean, was he trying to knock Max out? I'm sure he would have preferred that, right? I mean, that's something he was probably in his mind hoping would happen. But that's really not what his style is built on. His style is built on winning each moment of a round and then adding up all those pieces. It's death by a thousand cuts when Volkanovski was fighting uh, Holloway. And by the end, of course, he was sliced to pieces. You know, again, there's some debate about that, but you get the idea. That was the, that was the way he was doing it. Cater doesn't win that way. Cater wins. He can thump, by the way, but he wins when he does really good counterboxing and he puts, you know, four or five punch combinations together and he digs to the body. I think Max is going to intercept and land, or I should say absorb some of that. Some of that is really going to come his way. But the problem for that is that has not been shown, even with the big power of Dustin Poirier, to be the kind of thing that can put Max away. Max stood in there all five rounds up a weight class with one of that weight class's biggest punchers. You know, is Calvin Cater that guy? I don't, I don't think so. So again, unless Max has really deteriorated, or he just finds the perfect shot, he's going to land on Max. But if your style is, I'm going to just wallop Max until we get into submission like I do everybody else, man, that's a hard way to beat this version of Max. Maybe in three, four years it won't be, but it is right now. Uh, Luke, I tend to believe in general that the odds makers know more than I do. They're, they're typically on. Yes, there's times we look at a line and we go, I just don't get that. I don't see that. And sometimes they're wrong, right? But they win more than they lose for a reason. Our friends at William Hill have it minus 161, Holloway as the favorite, and Cater only a plus 130 underdog. To me, that's shocking because flip of a coin, Holloway's still your champion right now. And I don't, you know, if, if, if this was a title defense, I don't think the odds would be this close. What, what have they seen that we didn't see? Am I just drinking the, the Max juice like it's a sports bottle with CKB written on it going down your throat? What are we missing here? Are you Ron Mexico at the airport with your water bottle that has the marijuana in it? Um, 
I would say that probably two things. One, Caters looked really good. You know, that knockout of Stevens was pretty incredible. The win over Ige was well contested, but not especially close by the time the fight was over. Meanwhile, Holloway has had two fights where he's lost. Granted, some folks think he won both of them, but in the end, they registered as L's both times. And there's a question about, like, where is Holloway now? Like, is this even a division for his future? Also, what they're betting on here is, um, I'm not sure the, the, what direction they went with this one, but sometimes the odds can be changed a little bit uh, or shifted so that they induce maximum betting. I mean, has that happened here? I'm not so sure. But Good point. Um, there's always a lot of factors there. But I, I think it's a little too close personally, but not, not crazy so. I mean, Calvin Cater has gotten way better. He stayed consistent. He's a legitimate threat. It's just that Max Holloway, again, it, you, it, to bet against Max Holloway, I kind of feel like you have to think that um, everything we know about him, he's a lesser version of that. Because if he's still that version, that's that's just too hard of a climb, I think, for Cater at this stage. And, I, and dude, I've bet against Matt, not Max, not with money, but like, you know, making predictions here too many times to learn my lesson now that I can't do it again. As I've stated before, I thought Aldo was going to beat him both times. I thought Pettis was going to beat him. I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, come on, you know, the guy's fantastic. Um, but again, respect to Cater, as you mentioned, coming in, having won four or five, the only loss to the guy who I think is the best in this division, Zabi. And, oh, by the way, he was having, you know, big success in that final round. So uh, can't wait to see this fight, Luke, because it's going to entertain and it really matters. And if Max wins, like we said, uh, get ready. Get ready down there in New Zealand because if you get by Ortega, he's coming for that trilogy, okay, Luke? And Dana's going to give it to him. You know he will. You know he will, Luke. You know that. Okay. There are things you know, Luke. You know that, all right? Uh, Luke, this co-main event is certainly a hashtag uh, old guy fight, a super sloppy special when Carlos Condit takes on Matt Brown. Can you please tell me what I'm missing again on the odds makers? How the hell is Carlos Condit the betting favorite here? I'm not trying to tell you that Matt Brown's the same guy he was, you know, heading into that Robbie Lawler fight uh, many years ago. But um, when I see recent history, uh, Luke, I'm not seeing it, bro. You want to make money yeah, here? I got to uh, gotta tell you, I, that one's a little bit surprising as well. Now, both guys are clearly past their prime. I think that's, you know, not did he kind of disrespect, just the reality of the situation. And the win over Court McGee was good, I think, for, um, for, for Carlos. Although there's a question about, like, where, you know, Court was in that fight relative to the rest of his career, like, is he on the up and up? And Matt Brown has been off for a while. Well, no, that's not true. He's not. He was only fighting in May, so he fought once last year. Not a ton of activity, and he lost to Miguel Baeza. And it's like, let me see. He beat Sanchez and Saunders before that, and he stopped them both. Uh, and then the guys he lost to before that were Maya Ellenberger back in 2016, and then Cerrone. Like in other words, he was he's only ever lost to contenders. And I think Miguel Baeza is like maybe the next big thing in MMA. Like he is a very, very, very talented guy. And so for Brown to go nearly two rounds with him, to me, it's like, that's, I mean, I don't know if Condit would have gone to, I mean, yeah, the same kind of fate would have met him. So to me, like the, the fact that they have this one as like a, I won't say a clear Condit favorite in terms of the odds, but you know, they lean in that direction. tells me that they're probably doing this to induce betting or something like that. It doesn't, it's not an accurate reflection because I think Brown has looked better of late than Condit has. Now Styles make fights. Brown is, again, as I mentioned, a little bit older. He's had a known susceptibility to the body for a long, long time. But Carlos Condit, man, uh, you know, he never really recovered from those war that war, I should say, 
with Robbie Lawler. I don't think he was ever the same no. after that. I don't think Lawler was ever the same after that. I don't think how you could be after getting into a car crash like that. And uh, while he was able to really focus and maximize what skills he has remaining to get a clear win over Court McGee, I think he dropped him in that fight as well, which is nice. Um, I don't know. Brown's a bit of a different animal. He's he's a little bit more aggressive. I think he's a little bit more potent as an offensive striker. Um, he's got a little bit more skills, I think, on the ground in certain ways. I don't know, BC. I, I mean, this one, I think you'd be foolish to go hard in the paint either way. No, good point. But, but you know, because listen, the bottom can drop out on either of these guys at basically any point. And so I think having a, a bit of a let's see what happens kind of attitude is probably the best way to go about it. I mean, I'm it. certainly not going to bet my uh, salary this week on Matt Brown's chin at 40 after being in, through so many wars, but he is a finisher. And again, and what I saw in that content fight against Court McGee was a guy who still had the technique, still had the smarts, but Luke, he was a step and a half behind in really every situation. I mean, the speed, the, the lack of speed and reaction time in comparison to who he was, to me, was startling. So... Uh, I like Matt Brown in this one, and I and I certainly like him big, even though this could be a, a wild brawl either way. Good matchmaking, by the way. And, you know, interesting to put this as the co-main event, but uh, you're going to get people to care about it. Uh, Luke, how much should we care about Santiago Ponzinibbio at 34, coming off of a two-year layoff due to injuries, going in here against the Leech? Uh, is Santiago still a sort of sneaky long-term title threat? What do you expect out of him? I don't know, you know. <sighs> The leech has been, every time I bet against him, he wins. And then every time I'm like, all right, I've learned my lesson. He's going to win now. He gets smoked. It's like, I can't get a beat on him. And Ponzinibbio, I thought, looked really good when he fought in Argentina and was sort of the king of the hill at the time. And then he hasn't fought really, I don't think since then, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be. But the point being is, he has been a really interesting developing product that really worked on his craft. But it's been two years, like... For some of these guys, the two years off is a killer. They don't look the same, or at least it takes them some time to get back, especially at 34. Other ones, they kind of pick up where they left off. I tend to think that the best Ponzinibbio should be able to beat the best Jinglang Li. I just don't know what versions we're really going to get. I would lean towards the Argentine here, RBC, RBC, but yeah, I don't I mean, have a strong recent- read on it. Yeah, and it makes it intriguing to really see where he's at. But let's not forget the he's won you know something like five or six in a row. And the three most recent wins for Ponzinibbio was Neil Magny, Mike Perry, and uh, who was the third one? Pretty good name there as well. Um, I have to know, look great, it up. Great show here. Oh, Gunnar Nelson. So you know, I mean, he's, he's put together some nice wins there. Took some time yes. off. Um, Luke Joaquin Buckley's looking to continue to build upon the highlight reel of last year's knockout of the year, and he came back with a win in the one after that. He's got Alessio Di Sharico here, who's coming off a three-fight losing streak. Is this just a setup to get Joaquin another uh, uh, have-you-seen-this-shit moment? Di Carico. Um Well, they both have losses to Kevin Holland. And what was kind of surprising was I thought that Di Carico was going to beat uh, Zach Cummings and didn't. So I... Setup, I don't know. Setup's a strong word. I think that they're still trying to nurture Joaquin Buckley. I think that part is true. DiCarico, I don't think, is some kind of scrub. I just don't know, you know, is he really UFC ready? Uh, is he UFC material in, like, the real kind of sort of longitudinal sense? I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's one of these guys to me that so far what he has shown has been like, you know, if you need someone when you do a European show, he's probably a good place to fit on that. 
he's of a good enough level and then would be an appropriate fit for that kind of a show. With the UFC doing a little bit less of that because of the current pandemic, you know, and it's a little bit more of just like what you can do because we're not really trying to cater to a particular kind of geographic region or audience in the same kind of way. You know, the the questions about ultimate value began to emerge a little bit more readily, and I think that's what you have here. Uh, I mean, listen, there's no good reason why Buckley should lose. I think DiCarico can make it a fight, and he can make it interesting, but he's not the same kind of athlete. He's older. He doesn't have the same kind of record. He doesn't have the same kind of power. You know, um, Buckley should not lose. Should. How... How soul-taking is it of me, who was trying hard there with the name pronunciation? I butcher pronunciations in the moment a lot. Some people think it's due to ignorance. Some people think it's forced racism. It's really just a character flaw. I look at that, I go, oh, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to charm this man, the Sherico. And you're like, no, it's Dick Rico. I mean, like, how, you know. Dick not Dick Rico. I mean, that's just, you know, it's like the time I remember one of my first big boxing interviews when I worked at ESPN like a decade ago was uh, John Pascal, you know, the former light heavyweight champion. And I remember being all nervous in the beginning of the phone interview and I wanted to get it right. So I'm like, Jean, I, I just want to, you know, I don't want to be like, the you know, an American who comes out and calls Chardet Sade. I remember saying to him, is it Jean Pascal? Jean? 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 His response, Luke? Just call me Gene Pascal. I am not kidding. That's what he said. He said it's Gene. He's like, yeah, just call me Gene Pascal. I tried, Luke. I tried, and it's apparently Dick Rico. Luke, any other fights on here that get that get it's, your fancy going? It, dude, the more you butcher people's names uh, from countries that you've never visited or lands you don't know a lot about, you're only giving in to the idea that everyone who criticized you for the JMMA stuff was right. Just just to sort of point that out here. I want to be very clear. They don't know uh, me. Luke. What was your question? They don't question? know me like you do, Luke, okay? They don't know me. All That's right. true. They don't, which is why I am endlessly forgiving, but you should try to make an effort. Uh what's the question? Uh this the rest of this card, uh, anything else moving you? I mean, p- look, uh Puna Soria Puna's going to be in a brawl. It's going to be fun, right? Yes. Uh that the Puna Puna Hale Soriano fight is big. Uh Phil Hawes is back. You know, he had that terrible sort of spate in his career where he was like oh i'm gonna be the, the next big thing everyone thought it's gonna be the next big thing then he gets beat up on contender series and has a bunch of losses after that and then righted the ship and looked awesome in his last fight he's fighting uh against uh nasaruddin imavov and i'm sure i'm fucking that name up because i don't know any better so i want to be clear about that um <laughs> such a such a racist this is great yeah keep going no i'm fucking uh, well you know what it's kind of funny it's his name is nasurdin and Dean in Arabic means light, um, or is it light or faith? One of the two. Because my buddy's name, my buddy's name is Nuruddin, which is light of the faith. It's one of the two. In any event, this is kind of a similar name. That's probably about Sarah Morris is back. I'm a fan of hers. Um, that's Justin Taffa is back as well against Carlos Felipe. But the big one for me is Phil Hawes. We'll see what Phil Hawes. And by the way, Phil Hawes versus Nasordin Imavov is a damn near pick'em. Um, they've got Hawes as a minus 115 to Imavov's plus 105. So very, very tight fight there. Love it. Love this card. Love the 12 noon Eastern time prelim start, Luke. This ain't breakfast at Wimbledon like we're going to get next Wednesday, but it's it's great. Uh, this, is, this is how I want to live Saturdays, Luke. Uh, you know, it ruins my Saturday with my family because I can't do anything, but sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> I figured after the big accident this morning in your house, you'd be looking to get away from family time, right? 
Well, I don't, I'm not looking to get away from my children, BC. I don't know what kind of life you live, but um, I, yes, I I'm glad MMA is back. It's interesting to have it at noon, but it just makes my life kind of hard because, you know, i got to find gym time in the morning, but I have to get up with the kid. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but we'll see if we can Look, figure it out. You know who people call children the kid? Usually people that don't have children. I mean, that's a little disrespectful to your family. You know what I'm saying? Is it? Is it yeah. D Dick Rico? Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, I forgot to say earlier, please uh, check out uh, our bonus mo uh, morning combat interviews this week, Luke. Michael Chandler. Uh, we got Michael Chiesa. Also, your fantastic chat with uh, the great Dustin Poirier still lingering and breaking YouTube click records. So uh, please check those out. We'll have more on that next week as both of those two first gentlemen I mentioned have some big fights coming up. But uh, my, I had some microphone issues during it, Luke. It was... Uh, yeah. Well, within the first three seconds, it just went very uh, not happy with Jay Aaron here with the with the quality of the content he sends me. But uh, all right, Luke, let's roll on here. We got through uh, all things UFC fight night. And now the topics moves to this. Uh, we're going to get to Conor McGregor in a second. But as I tease off the top, let's hit this right now. Um, I'm checking my phone constantly to make sure I don't miss anything. But boy, is Dana White teasing the bag. Today is his meeting with Habib Nurmagomedov. And right before we went on the air, he put out this video on Twitter of them literally entering the room and Dana closing the door in our face. Luke, that, there was, that was a poignant moment right there. He's really trying to show us how hard he's working. Dana has been quoted this week as saying this will be a five-minute meeting. It's either yes or no. Do you have any extra comments, expectations, secret strategies that Dana might have? Like, I mean, what is he going to do here? Offer Habib's mom something? What do you do here to get this legend back in? Dude, I'm, I'm not one of these people who's like, who cares about this shit. It's like the guy retired, you know, if they made another fight, that'd be cool. You know, I get another big fight for us to cover. That's fun. I don't know, man. I'm not one of these guys who's like, oh, man, are they going to make it? Dana's in the big meet and blah, blah, blah. We're going to get the GSP fight. I don't know what that does. I don't, it doesn't. It doesn't. He's like, wow, a guy who fought once in eight years, Habib's going to fight. Habib's going to fuck that guy up. Like, I'm I mean, sure Dana, <laughs> to be honest with you, Luke, I'm sure Dana is more interested in a Connor rematch than the GSP fight. I don't think Dana has any interest, to be honest, in a GSP fight. I you think, think so? You think it's about like getting to fight Connor one more time? I, I personally believe that's what it is. I think he's going to lean that's heavily into your father wanted you to go 30 and 0. I think it would help matters. And this is maybe what Dana's talking about. If Connor obviously wins next week, that would help matters a lot. Uh, you know what I've said before? What, what could really piss Habib off, but it's a gamble. But at this point, He's already saying he's not going to fight, so you might as well gamble. Is publicly strip him at the next fight, and then say you know Connor fights for it, and if Connor wins that belt, then you call Habib back up one more time. You know what I mean? Maybe you get in the room with Connor and you say, "Let's do some pro wrestling bullshit. Let's make this guy angry." I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty childish, but I don't know what else you can do, unless when they sit down at that table right now. Dana's putting out like a you know a pound of heroin or 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 a million million dollars in uh, in singles. I don't know what 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 else could he offer him. I, listen, if he wants to come back and fight, I'd be happy to have him. We're lucky to have been able to watch an athlete of his caliber and someone of his skill who I think changed the game in many ways. Do what he did. It's not that I'm like, oh, I don't care about Habib. It'd be awesome to have Khabib back. I mean, in every way imaginable. But I don't want him back if he doesn't want to come back. Now, maybe Dana can convince him to want to come back. And, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, priming the pump a little bit. Uh, but I tend to think that if you have to cajole someone back, I don't know. 
you know, I, I'm not one of these guys who's like Dana's got this big meeting. I don't give a shit. If he I gets give it, a lot great. Of if shits, he if, Luke, I, I give no, plenty no. Of if shits he gets it, it, listen. If if he gets what he wants, great. Like there's nothing bad for me about it. If he doesn't get it, I'm just going to pay attention to everything else that's happening in MMA, which by the way is pretty exciting for the most part. So like. I know I'm, it sounds like oh Luke hates everything. I don't I don't hate it. I'm not against it. Yeah. Like go do what you want to do. It's fine. I mean, look, I just wrote you a guys... column yesterday for CBS Sports that's basically saying UFC's poised to have like their biggest year this year since like the year they of might. the sale. I mean they are they might they are running and gunning pandemic or not. They are in a great spot. The next seven fight cards they've announced are loaded through March. You got John Jones going to heavyweight. You got Stipe and Ngannou. I mean. I mean, you got a lot of great things happening now. But Luke, let me, let there's me, a reason. Let, let, me, let me just let me say one last thing about this. Let me explain to you how I feel about this. So maybe you can better understand. It's like when Taylor Swift comes out with a new album. And everyone I follow on Twitter is like, oh, isn't this such a great album? This music is amazing. God, this song really cuts deep. And I'm looking at this as if these people are talking about eating out of the garbage. Like, it doesn't move me that way at (laughs) all. I can't tell you that Taylor Swift is good or bad. It's just not, it it doesn't move me. I don't understand it. So to me, if they get what they want, great. If they don't, we have a lot to look forward to. I just can't walk around and pretend like my pants are around my ankles over this meeting. It'd be lying to you. I don't want to lie to anybody. It doesn't move me in that way. Well, the first thing I do when I make them toss my salad, syrup or jelly, uh, Luke, uh, I just like the reason, obviously, why Dana, why I'm assuming Dana has such ridiculous lust for all things Connor Habib too, Luke, is because it's going to shatter records and make stupid money. I mean, Dana just predicted two days ago that a rematch could do three million buys, considering the first one did a UFC record 2.4 million reported buys. Um, Like, do we underestimate? what a record-breaking number like that means to UFC business? I don't I don't really know how to place that. You mean the second Connor fight? Like like yeah, like like Dana's unbridled lust for that fight because it's it's yeah. like, you know, it's it's a super of all super fights. Is it because it does so much like ridiculous good that can one night really mean like make a whole two-year window? It, uh well, uh Hard to say, but it's like how much of a year? Because remember, it was a bit of a down year when it was happening because you had lost Rousey and everything. How much did McGregor versus Mayweather make the UFC's year that year? I mean, it did a huge one number for them and really filled up a lot of the gaps that the rest of that year was not necessarily delivering. So, And that was them sure. as the co-promoter, by the way, Luke. That wasn't even like an That's in-house right. production, right? Exactly. So in this case, as an in-house promoter where you own, own, but you own the rights to the competitive abilities of both fighters. Yeah, right. But you get the idea. You know, you may not do as much business overall aggregately as a Mayweather-McGregor, but you get essentially all of it, whatever else you have to pay up to, you know, the the various smaller parties at this point. You've cut out the middleman with the MSOs on pay-per-view. Yeah, it would be fucking huge for them. I mean, again, dude, I'm not, if it happened, sweet. I'm all in. Let's do it. I'm not trying to keep pressing... Every one of my timeline is like, dude, Dana's in this fucking meeting. It's like, dude, chill out, Scoobs. We'll figure out this I, mystery eventually. Like, don't worry about it. I just set this all up because I wonder, even though we don't assume that Habib is motivated by money, right? He's made some good money. There was a time in his career when he really wanted to get a championship and get to this point, obviously, where he was willing to do everything. But is there a number that Dana could mention 
that Habib goes, fuck it, I got to do that. You know what I mean? And, and, and is there a percentage that Dana can give up in this space to try to make that happen? What if he said, hey, Habib, I'll give you $50 million to fight Conor a second time. I mean, Luke, that's like, Bitch, you know I mean, what do you think is the biggest take-home Habib has had? <laughs> what do you think you know they ain't giving actually him fi- made? They ain't giving him $50 million. They're going to do, they're going to keep, this is what I always love. It's like, what could Dana offer to really get Habib back? Well, like, what well, do you think Habib made? You- in the first hold fight, on, hold on, what do you think on. could be here, made? Here, here is what I know. Okay, here's what I know. It doesn't matter what the individual figure was. At the end of the year, it was overall in aggregate among the rest of the paydays about twenty percent of gross revenue. That's what I know. They're not going to change that unless they are forced by the oh. the, the the long arm of the law. No, no. Here's what I mean. They may go above that twenty percent figure. Uh, in the sense of, you know, um, that event to give Habib a little bit more, but then they'll find a way to use cheaper talent on the back end. Like, in the end, what's going to happen is there's going to be, overall, when the year is added up, it's going to be 20%. Like, this idea that they're going to go crazy with it. I I don't, but I don't say that to assume that it's going to change pay structures for anyone else. I just mean, Luke, it is rare. It is rare that on your roster at any point you have a fight capable of, of pushing three million buys, or or even more, if it was well promoted, and if Connor, you know, blows away Poirier and comes in red hot. I mean, you have it as a promoter. That's why Dana's so lustful. It is so freaking rare that you are close yeah. to something like that. He's sitting on a damn lottery ticket. So in that case, I don't think it's crazy for him to say we already know Floyd has regularly made between thirty and a hundred million for his biggest fights. If you do this fight, I'm giving you. I don't know what it is. 40 million, 35 million, what, you know, double whatever his biggest payday was. I don't think that's crazy. This is what I think this meeting really is about. Hey, Khabib, what is your number? Because no matter how great your morals are, your convictions, your commitment to your family, Luke, I'm going to Ted DiBiase your ass because everybody does have a price for the million dollar man at the end of the day. You would eat ass with jelly or syrup if I raised the number high enough, Luke. And you know it, you dirt hole. Uh, probably, but not everyone is, is the question is for whatever Habib's number might be to actually get him to do it. Is the UFC going to be willing to pay that kind of a number? I mean, here's the other part about it back in 2016, when everyone was bragging about 20 million, um, pay-per-view, uh, paychecks for Connor. And then you look at the actual numbers and it's like over two, he actually made 15, meaning he made closer to about 8 million for those pay-per-views. There's also this gross exaggeration that happens about what these guys actually make from the UFC's cut. Now, among his other businesses that also get a bump at the time, yeah, it's probably, he probably makes a shit ton of money. I, I, I'm not in any way suggesting Conor McGregor's not wealthy beyond imagination, but here's my other point. It's like, oh, is UFC going to offer 50? UFC's never going to offer 50 million in our fucking lifetime. Like, that would almost never happen. Maybe by the time I'm dead and gone, but I'll be dead and gone probably in a year with the amount of rage and fucking anguish that I live with every single day. So, no, in my lifetime, they have had one fight in their history, one fight in their history that is done above what? Like, like what's the second highest grossing pay-per-view in history? Is it like Connor Nate two? And I think it did like 1.65 million, which is a lot, by the way. And if like that, yeah, if Habib Connor did 2.4, and has one of the craziest back storylines ever with the bus window and the attack after 229. And now you've add that both of their brands are even higher than they were before. 
If Connor blows through Port, dude, and it's a retirement butt fight for Habib, and it's 30 and 0, and we know he really doesn't want it, dude, this is good. This could do three to four million, Luke. You only get that once a decade or once a promotion. He's going to sell his soul. Dana's going to cut his hand open and say, what's the price? You want my blood? Which fluid? Which which one of the fluids they've, do you they've want? They've never okay? done, they've, they've literally never done that. You want name my children? They, name a time, name a time that they've ever done that. They've never done that. They're never going to start doing that. They're never going to bend over backwards. He's going to tell GSP to pound sand. This is your your fan fantasizing that is letting your rationality and what the evidence shows get the best of you here. They've literally never done that for anyone ever. They're going to start. I don't live in a rational world, Luke. Okay. Pat Militich just stormed the Capitol. I don't live in a rational world. He didn't storm the Capitol, but he attended the protest. So what are you going to do? All right. All right. All right. Can I say one more thing? Can I say one more thing, BC, about this? Not really about this, but about something tangential. Only if you have passion, Luke. No more monotone, lifeless BS. Bring it, Luke. Can I I tell you how little I care about people's social media updates from their quarantine hotel rooms in Abu Dhabi? (laughs) It's like... Guys, we get it. You have to sit in your room for 48 hours. Probably sucks. I don't give a fuck. Can you stop putting that shit on the timeline, please? All of you doing this? Like, that's some kind of novel. You're sitting in a fucking hotel room. Like, this is supposed to be some kind of magical. What are you, are you entering the fucking CIA training headquarters and they're going to tell you the who killed Kennedy and shit like that? No, you're just sitting in a fucking hotel room. Yeah. Can you knock it Nicholas off with Cage the, is the ooh, only here's one hour 16 of the... Of the fucking journey, I, I, I don't care. I want you to yeah. know I don't actually care. <laughs> I've jerked off three times, hour 17. All right, there we go. Yep, yep, that's hey, great. Don't, okay. don't get arrested for beating off from boredom in Abu Dhabi. <clears throat> well, Luke Conor McGregor smoke, spoke publicly at length a couple days back. His hotel is in Dubai, by the way, not Abu Dhabi. And he had a little media session. It looked like it was the Mac life only at first, but then we found out he also did the Big John McCarthy pod. It looked like he has a, a sit-down with Ariel that'll run later this weekend. I'm not sure if any other show cracked that upper crust core. Look, how the hell did Morning Combat not get in on that? Oh, I forgot. because you, you, know, we're the, you uh, know how they didn't get in on that. Because you're, you're we're enemy trying number to take... one. I'm enemy number one and a half. Because we're trying to take down the UFC. With, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. All right. Um, so, Luke, but Connor did speak at length to Mac Life. It was a very good interview. Shout out to that guy, Oscar. You know that fellow? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I like that guy. I think he. I think he does good work, Luke. Okay, thank you. Uh, we got a little bit of sound of that apparently. Now, Manich you know? in my ear. Manich, so, you got this. Here we go. It's it certainly. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm certainly very happy. I'm very. You know, when I see what Dustin has has been doing with his charity and and his wife and and himself and you know the Good Fight Foundation, I'm very excited to be able to help with that. And there's talk of them building a gym off of the back of this uh, fight, and you know I'm very excited about that. And you know all the power to them and uh this is what it should be about we it is our duty in this world to give back that is it you know every single one of us and uh you know as i get older um i am just i am just delving into that side of things a lot more and you know i just feel it is my duty and i've been i've been blessed in this position that i am in and i'm going to continue to give back and I'm very, very uh, happy to share the octagon with Dustin, who is also of the same mindset, you know. So it's going to be a good bout. Uh, similar with Donald, there will be blood spilled, but it will not be bad blood. We're grown men now, you know. Well, Luke, that was one of the, the least juiciest moments of that interview, but that part did at least show you 
uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about it, that it seems a new mature Connor that was part of a conversation in which his his persona and disposition is obviously so different than it was the first Poirier fight, the the Habib fight. This is an older, mature 32-year-old Connor who seems uh, ready to do big business and really compete again. He said in this interview, Luke, among other things, he'd like to have a run at 155 like he had in the past at 145. Uh, that could mean three appearances in the Octagon this year, although there was a lot of talk in that same interview about the potential of a Pacquiao fight. He also seemed to pop for the idea of Nate Diaz coming down to 155 and said he'd love to do that trilogy fight for the damn title. The thing I took away, the biggest takeaway, was it sounded like Connor kind of cryptically said, this Poirier rematch won't be for the title only because Dana's still pissed at him for what happened last year with the DMs. That's the math I did by listening to that. Luke, what are your biggest takeaways, whether it was this interview or any other one Connor had in the last 48 hours in his first real public speech at length? So wait, he went on the Big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson podcast? That's yeah, a big I was pull su- for them. I was surprised by that. That's a great pull, yeah. That's a huge pull for them. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, I don't really buy the idea that Danny would punish Connor. It's like, to the extent you punish Connor, you punish yourself. Your fortunes are, in many ways, intertwined. So, you know, I, I mean, maybe a little bit. They might create some hurdles or headaches for him. But in general rewarding him rewards themselves, uh, um, depending on how you play it. So we'll see. No, not a whole lot. I mean, uh, the one thing I was looking forward to in this media cycle was to see to what extent there would be mind games in this one, because it's such a key part of what Connor had been prior to 2020 up through his last, uh, bout, you know, with Khabib. And then of course, really everything really that we understood from him. He didn't really do it against Cerrone, you know, uh, and he's not really doing it here. Now, he's not doing it here for a lot of reasons. You heard him talk positively about Dustin and his charitable efforts. I mean, it's hard for a guy to like look at what Dustin is doing and talk shit about that. You got to just be fully committed to assholery in the way that like Colby Covington is, right? Like, you just got to, you know, you have to talk shit about someone's grandma and uh, about the, the things that are only good in this world. And on some level, Connor just can't bring himself to do that, which I think I, you know, a lot of us probably respect and, and, and understand. But I was curious to see like what role that would play here. And I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic or if it's a new leaf he's turned over or what. But there really wasn't any of it. Now, I guess we'll see what they do for face-offs, for the weigh-ins, um, or something like that. I mean, I don't know how that's all going to go. But um, short of that, though, there's nothing he really said that I found, yeah, he would love to meet Nate at 155. Great, I would love to see it, um, blah, blah, blah. The thing that I want to see is because trash talk to this point, it appears like for the totality of it, they're just not going to snipe at each other. What does that mean for Connor the fighter? If you have to win without getting and playing mind games and you just really have to win by virtue of how good you are. And he's obviously very, 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 very good. But no no getting in Aldo's head, no pissing off Poirier till he gets out of his game, none of that. You just got to win on how on on your uh, what happens when the cage door closes. If he goes in there and he beats Poirier again, doing that, having this sort of what would you call it here, reserved attitude that he's had this whole time, pretty remarkable. It would I, be. I, I mean, again, if he gets beat, then all this is off, and and Dustin is fully capable of beating him. But I'm just saying, if he doesn't, and, and Connor wins, and Connor wins without all that extra shenanigans, dude, that's fucking impressive. Oh, huge. And you know me, Luke. I mean, I'm a trash panda. I get off on that, on the bombastic WWE bullshit. But it's kind of refreshing that it's not here because you get to see him in the purest form. Go in there 
and and beat this guy. Go in there and knock this guy out. You know, what happens if he doesn't knock out Dustin Poirier early and we're going deep into five rounds? I mean, this could be it, it could be great theater. It's going to show us a lot about where Connor is and who he is at this moment. I think that it, if you are tending to believe where I sort of believe that what we saw in the buildup to the to the Cowboy fight and that 40 seconds in the cage shows you that he's a, a refreshed, new, different man that, you know, you can buy into that he wasn't in the right space for the 229 fight, you know, and he's he's gone again doubling down saying, I, I cut corners in training, I didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I think these interviews this week show you that it's a mature, grown man. So does that translate into as dangerous a fighter? Again, we don't know because even though I believe in the Connor I saw against Cowboy, it's 40 freaking seconds. It's potential fool's gold. Cowboy's washed. It's the freaking truth, all right? Um, I can't wait to see this fight beyond the title implications, beyond the BS, beyond all that, just for the freaking damn fight. And, Luke, it's interesting. With Connor having been gone so much lately, I mean, it's four-plus years since we last saw prime Connor against Eddie Alvarez, before the, the whiskey, the Mayweather, the Habib, the bus, all that crap. I mean, he had built, at that point, Luke, an insane resume, you know, not not necessarily for membership at the GOAT table, but an insane resume, right? And we kind of, during that four years of time, seeing him come in and out, be more of a celebrity, I think at times we've come resigned to the idea that moving forward, he's probably just that, a celebrity fighter. He'd probably right. get the Nate trilogy. Maybe he'd get Habib a second time, but it would be more about who can he fight than what he can accomplish. I don't think we talk enough about what his potential could be long-term in terms of the GOAT categories and all that, if he can go on a run, because he resides in, even with Habib potentially retiring, he resides in one of the deepest and most dangerous divisions of all time. If he's going to be as active at lightweight as he says he is, then he's going to win a championship and he's going to have to face killer after killer. There is so much more potential here at 32 to, to really add on to what he's already built. I mean, he's already, because of the commercial side of it, in his own category. But I don't think we talk enough about what he can improve on the critical side, Luke. There's no, no denying it. And like, there's also, you know, again, it's just so hard to know because if, if he goes in there and lays an egg, BC, you know, as well as I do, someone's going to selectively pull this footage and be like, aha, you guys were saying he was going to do this. No, we're not. We don't know what the fuck he's going to do. I don't know. You know, it's, we're asking these questions because it's kind of, we are trying to ponder a world where we imagine um, he can build on his success. He seems to be dialed in. We've talked about what he appears to be in good shape. You know, can he round the corner past some of his deficiencies in the past? I don't know. We're going to find out. Can he build on his strengths? I don't know. We're going to find out. We know Poirier has just been so consistent. We can much more readily assess the kind of improvements that he has made and and make and make uh, a, you know a better uh, assessment about it. With with Connor, it's just always this mystery. You just never really exactly know what the truth is, which is part of his intrigue. And it's part of why he sells big pay per views. You know, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it but is. Uh, to your but to, but to your point, like. There is a real case you have to take seriously about not merely what happens when there's no mind games, but can he be something more than the expectations even his fans had about him? Because I think, to your point, there were a lot of fans who were like, okay, well, once he went the Mayweather route and then came back and got beat by Habib, all right, we had fun. He's still pretty good. You know, he can be in these fights where, you know, put him against Masvidal at a catch weight or something, and he can beat other names. You kind of put him in a, in a, in a Nate Diaz world. You know, Nate Diaz, with the right fight and the right opponent on the right night, sells huge, can beat them. He's obviously quite good, but, you know, Nate 
is not the guy who's going to win that world title and hold it for four or five consecutive defenses. That's not who he is. That's not who he's trying to be either, to his, to his credit, but that's not who he is. What if Connor actually can be more than just another Nate Diaz or you know, in that same Nate Diaz orbit of just fancy fights for fancy reasons? What if he can actually go back to the track where he can beat the real deal Holyfields, the guys who just don't do anything else but this, who are at the top? Now, BC, I have to be honest. I don't think he'll stick around long enough on that track. I think if he begins right. to get good again, right, and he wins the title, you know, to me it just feels like a Pacquiao fight at that point would be inevitable. He will cash in on those bigger Paul. opportunities. But <laughs> Jake, Jake Paul, Paul did Paul. call D. Devlin a four, Luke. That There's some payback coming for that, all right? There's some payback coming. But the point being is there might be a window here where he says, you guys tried to put me in this camp, and I'm actually a little bit above that. But he has yeah. to go against Dustin Poirier on Saturday and prove it. And Not by the way, if he does one. lose to Poirier, and if he and if he finishes up as a celebrity fighter, still had a hell of a career. Probably had more of an Oscar De La Hoya type career, where the first half of his career you were looking at a you know an all time grade, and then he really just became more of a celebrity fighter who lost more than he won, but still took on the biggest tests available at every turn. So uh, interesting stuff. I did like having Junior Mayweather run around during the uh, during the Mac Life interview and pop his head up, Luke. I would. I think it would juice this show up a little more if you considered an open door policy in which uh, your your beautiful daughter, oh maybe maybe Booger, maybe uh, Uncle Felipe, maybe Abuela could just randomly walk in and be like, hey, Luke, I made some carnitas. You want one? I mean, that that was not racist. Luke, Luke people in South America very, can eat Mexican was, food. Okay, what are, what are carnitas? They can eat. Uh, they're allowed to eat Mexican food, Luke. I'm American. I eat Mexican food. It's nothing racist about it at all. But I would no. love that type of interaction. I think the people want okay. that. Carnitas. <laughs> okay, it's like a pork taco. Um, Colombians don't eat tacos. I don't know if you. I don't know if, you, don't know if you're aware of that. They don't eat. They don't really eat tacos down there. I eat Chinese and Thai, or... Luke. Okay, I'm allowed to do. I had Japanese bento box for lunch the other day. Take that, JMMA. All right. God. Right, but the difference would be like if I'm like, oh, you know, BC, those guys from Connecticut, and how much they love poutine. You'd be like, no, that's not exactly right. We don't. Or, or how about this? And those vegan hot dogs they love down there in Connecticut. You love those no. vegan hot dogs down there in Connecticut, BC? No, 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 no you don't. No, no. So be careful with these kinds of things, please. All right, all right. Thank you, Luke. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, big news this week. Seriously, I love. But hold this, on. This My headline. last thing is my daughter's at the park. If she comes back. And starts trudging through my living room like Godzilla in downtown Tokyo. I will open my door and let her say hi. It's going to get wild. She's going to be asking for that duck, Luke. Right? Quack, quack. Yeah, there he goes. Uh, Luke, big headlines out of the UFC. This was much needed. Long time coming. The UFC lightening their stance on marijuana. Four years just for weed? Damn! Luke, no longer will they criminalize it from the standpoint of suspending fighters there are thresholds for the amount of thc you will be allowed uh you also will not be allowed to smoke like the day before the day of a fight although i don't know how they're going to catch that they said they're basically going to do eye tests uh luke this is major no no, no. News it's like it's... Uh, no it, it, real, real, this is the truth like if you get pulled over drunk they can do a bac test right they can have you blow in the breathalyzer but what do they also do they do field sobriety tests, you know. I'm okay. not sure if they're going to use right. the exact same ones, but you can do a field sobriety test for marijuana. We're going to need an officer parked outside of the Diaz locker room for sure. Uh, Luke, you love to see this because obviously the attitudes have changed in a short time in our country for 
uh, you know, the medical properties of marijuana, what it can do. Also, I think for mental health, I think we're going to see, excuse me, long term, Luke, a big change in what that can do as well, that it's not performance enhancing from a positive way. I mean, in some ways it could be a negative way, Luke. Um, and it's not just a party drug anymore. So this seemed very good. I saw some of your um, not doubt on Twitter, but you brought up a great point that this is. UFC amending their anti-doping policy. State commissions with all with with who also do testing, they're not signed up for this. Although I did see Mark Ramundi put out a tweet that the California State Commission is looking into it. Uh, do you think that it's only soon that these states will follow and this will all be cleaned up the right way? Hard to know. California is run by Andy Foster, who listen, no commissioner is perfect. I don't think he should have licensed Chuck Liddell to fight Tito in that third fight. I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear. So he's made mistakes, but if anybody is out there trying to learn, trying to get it right, trying to do the best job that they can, trying to understand um, what the sports, you know, boxing, MMA, combative sports, what they need and what they don't, it's Andy Foster. I really believe he's the best commissioner we have in the entire country, and he's doing California some good. So, you know, a nominal fine of 100 bucks and uh, no suspension – Okay, whatever. I mean, at that point, who gives a shit, right? He's just, it's fine. I mean, what's, what's the um, hundred bucks about, Luke? You know, it's legal to smoke in California, so what are we doing here? Probably just money for the commission to pay people. I mean, you know. they Have you know, their holiday I, party I, at the end of the year? Oh, yeah, okay. you know, probably a couple extra bottles of Captain Morgan or something. Something like that. Um, but what I would say is a, a couple of things. Listen, it's obviously good news. Okay, no one can look at this news and say, this is terrible. This is a step backward. It's not a step backward. It's obviously a step forward. And to the extent that they can convince the commissions, which is really still the problem here, um, even better. Now, there's also a question because we know fighters have tested positive for marijuana under USADA tests, but out of competition. But they've given that information to state commissions and then the commission then suspended them because of their, uh, you know, totally archaic rules. Is that still in play? There's a little bit of unclarity there. Plus, Eric McGracken of Combat Sports Law noted a couple of things. One, when they mean substance of abuse, they don't just mean cannabis, but also various narcotics and stimulants. Okay. Also worth noting that the lack of punishment is not automatic, but discretionary and premised on compliance with the substance abuse treatment program. Importantly, USADA notes in their press release that where fighters use cannabis for, for quote, alleviating pain or anxiety, end quote, USADA can consider that still performance enhancing. So there's a lot of gray here and some other areas where this may not be the great thing we think it to be, but this was the one that really got me was in the end. Again, it's all good news. It's good news. Like it's all good news, but please in the press release yesterday, Jeff Nowitzki notes that because marijuana is fat soluble, it ends up staying in the system with much larger detection windows than a lot of other drugs long past the point someone had ingested it. Like, for example, cocaine, I think we both agree, BC, probably worse for you on, on balance than marijuana. But in terms of what you can detect in the system, it goes in and out relatively quickly. Marijuana might be safer for you, but it just sticks around in the body <coughs> Excuse me, a little bit longer. Why is that relevant? Because my first major article that I wrote for MMAfighting.com when they were purchased from AOL by Vox Media back in 2011 argued that point exactly like to the letter I argued that they can only tell 
that you used. They cannot tell when you used. And when you have these in versus out of competition windows, this is all meaningless. There's no, it's not scientific. And what they tried to do was, well, let's have it if you are over 50 nanograms per centiliter. Let's do that. And that didn't work. And let's try it 100. Let's try it 150. And every time all on the way, people were clapping like, wow, aren't these commissions really doing great work by upping the threshold by which they, they will punish you? And I'm like, no. None of this shit is science. It's not science. They don't know. They cannot possibly know what the truth is. This is a field sobriety method and whatever these other caveats are. This is a much more rational scientific perspective. My only question is, hey, fellas, you guys tell me you are the ones who are the sober evaluators of evidence, the adults in the room. Well, how come I was writing about this a fucking decade ago and I picked it up from people who were writing about a decade before that? I mean, the pace of progress on this is glacial. What I want to know is, what are you going to do? Because you can't go back to 2011. You saw it wasn't a part of the UFC back then, BC. But when did they start here? 2014, 2015, something like that? Are you going to go back and retroactively do something about all the people who got hemmed up for it in that space? Because that's what you should do. You should go back through and fight for every single person who had a marijuana violation in that space because you're now telling us your science that you told us was ironclad is bullshit. It's the same thing with Tom Lawler. We know he took Osterine two years later. We now know he only took it accidentally and it was something that we would have totally exonerated him for. Oh, did we ruin his fucking career? Yes. In the meantime, yes, we did. They're going to keep doing this. I don't know how many fucking times I have to tell folks they're not who you think they are. They're not. They are zealots who are committed to a worldview that is not backed up by science, even a fucking little bit, even a little bit. And wait until I tell you what the reality is about behind performance-enhancing drugs in the sport. Oh, it's going to blow your fucking mind when I do. So great that I you got around great to for shit the, we've known for I 15 think, years. I think that'd be great for your personal channel, Luke. Uh, Luke, I, I do agree with you, and congratulations on being head of the game. It has seemed extra archaic in recent years to see people suspended and fined for this. Luke, do you know how you've turned me around on PEDs? And by the way, people don't like this, okay? They don't like this side of us that we just assume everyone was using. I think certainly when we look back at the, at the early barbaric archaic days of even UFC or Pride or whatever, we assume everyone was using roids and there wasn't good detection or all that. Should we also assume that dudes back in those days were entering the cage like on coke and stuff? Ooh, no, that's interesting. Um, you mean like when they walked in the cage, were they high? Yeah. Like they did a line in the, in the damn locker room to just, you know, yeah. numb the nerves. and so, Some some probably were, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, how many? Probably not very many. And again, there were commissions back then, too. You know, did the commissions not see it if they were discreet about it? I'm not blaming every regulatory authority. They did piss tests. Luke, they did piss tests back then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or, 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 or they didn't. Like, they, they, or, or they didn't. They would be like, okay, there's 12 of you on a card. We'll piss test you four. And then the other eight just go free, you know? I mean, true or false, Luke, have you ever had a job interview and went to the, um, to like the, the record store slash bong store and bought that shake for $22 and then you drink it the morning of the test and then you fill it up with water a second time and you drink it and then you piss like four times and then you go to the test? Have you done that, Luke? No, dude. I, I, was, uh, I, I joined the military at age 17. And so I, uh, I didn't party much in high school, man. I think I drank maybe a, maybe a handful of times in high school. I never smoked 
marijuana. Oh, maybe one time, one time. And, um, I, I was, I, I, you know, I was a fucking nerd. I was a huge nerd. So I didn't really engage in that kind of behavior until college, in which case I let it rip. But the point being is, uh, I didn't really, really, really smoke or use marijuana until I was 24. Um, because I was so bought in on the Marine Corps. I was so, I'm not going to touch this shit. I'm not going to be just stay away from it. So when I had job interviews, dude, I, I wasn't sweating. I didn't ever, I never had to worry about it. All right. Well, it's an experience, Luke. Um, it's not like, a, it's not. <laughs> did you, did you, Jose, Jose, did you ever go to GNC and buy golden seal? That was the no, thing no, back I in was, our time. I always went the bootleg, uh, you know, a hippie route. Uh, it works though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was washing dishes. It wasn't like I got a government job off of that. Luke, um, here's the deal, Luke. Uh, it's not actually like novelty at this point to like, do an interview with somebody and everyone's high. Like, you know, we're seeing like hot boxing podcasts and stuff like that. But if you and I ever did, um, MK herbal, like a spinoff interview show, what fighters would you want to, uh, would you want to have on now that we can all legally, uh, do this depending on what state we're in? Like we can smoke weed. Yeah. And interview somebody and, 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 and have fun and, and, and ask fun questions and laugh. Uh, Diaz brothers for sure. For sure. I mean, that's a, that's a given, right? I you feel like outside, that they're going to fight me the whole time, though. They're too. They're a no, little too serious. No, no, know? no. I told you, I, I hung out with Nate Diaz one time at, at, uh, in 2012, and he's a very, very nice person. A very nice person. So no. And I told you that one time I accidentally texted him, and he was super chill about it. So, so yeah. no. I, <laughs> you, I think Nate. You sent him a stick pic, Luke. What, what happened there? I never told you the story. No, please share it. I one time was on the train on one of my many train rides back and forth, and I ran into an old coworker of mine. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he was like, hey, come sit next to me. Let's hang out. And I'm like, oh, oh Jesus. God. So no, he goes no. to the bathroom and he was drinking and belching. I mean, he was just the worst. <laughs> Did you he Irish goes, exit him? You should have just left the car, Luke, when he got up. Well, the thing, the, pro- well, the problem was we both got off. I mean, he worked in D.C. So like, we both got on in New York and then off in D.C. There was nothing I could really do. So uh, he goes to the bathroom and I texted another dude whose name started with the letter N that was a buddy of mine. And it accidentally, I wasn't even, I just didn't even pay attention. And I was like, yo, fuck this guy. He's a huge bitch. You won't believe he's sitting next to me, man. Fuck this loser, blah, blah, blah. I think that guy used to work with him too. And, uh, sorry, I got to sneeze here. <clears throat> I, uh, <sighs> sorry. God bless you. It got sent to, it got sent to Nate Diaz. And so, yes. so I you didn't realize his that, language. You know? He understands so, that oh, my, language. My phone was off. So when your phone is off, it's got a, my, my daughter's on my phone, but like, when your phone is off, it's a black screen, right? And then when you get an alert, it pops up and it said text from Nate Diaz. And I go, why the fuck is Nate Diaz texting me? And then I open it up and I, and I saw <laughs> I had texted Nate. I was talking shit about this guy. And Nate was like, yo, tell me about him. Why is he a bitch? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he was like getting me to like explain to him why I fucking hated one of my uh, old coworkers. And then at the end, he was like, and then at the end, he was like, you have my permission to slap this fraud. Yes. <laughs> dude, you have and to frame like, that. Frame that interaction. I was, like, I was like, oh, shit, my bad, dude, my bad. He was totally chill about it. This is what I mean, dude. Like, Nate has, you know, he mean mugs with a camera. And he's a tough dude. Like, obviously, he's tough as shit. But he's, I, I don't, I think he's probably pretty fucking chill and hilarious if you can get him into that environment. Um, but you're asking about other people who do weed. Who else in the uh, – I see, I wouldn't want to go too crazy after that. Like, I don't – like, I love Diego, but I don't know I would want to do drugs with Diego. 
you know? <laughs> Luke, he would slip you a roofie just so he could take you into his world. Definitely, Luke. Definitely. Uh, and then Josh, I don't know. And then Costa, why is Josh Fabia on my back? What is happening right now? Why? Yeah. Why am I wearing his coach as a backpack? Okay. Uh, yeah, probably Ioana would probably be our first choice, Luke, when we roll out the show one day. Oh, All right. I'd, quit the, hey, I'd quit the job. Stop it. Stop. Her second book is out. I think it's in Polish, though. I got to see if they'll translate that for me. All right, Luke. Uh, that's weed. That's what it is. Uh, let's roll on here. Our final topic of the main portion. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, your former Bantamweight champion who was supposed to challenge for Devison Figueredo's flyweight belt, is now saying he wants Jose Aldo. He was speaking to Mark Raymundi of ESPN, and Cody said he wants to fight the big names that come to fight. He would like Jose Aldo in April. He also did say that after Aldo, he still wants Figueredo. He still wants Dillashaw if he's clean, Luke. No EPO. And that would be his next three fights. Are you down with this change in action to go after the legend, Aldo, right now? Here's what I want from Cody. None of those names he mentioned are bad. They're all awesome. Cody versus Aldo, yes. Cody versus TJ, if they can find a way to make it happen again under the right circumstances, I'm all in. Cody versus Figueredo. I mean, that was the one. I'm, I'm less about that one because it's 125. But, hey, is that the worst fight in the world? Definitely not the worst fight in the world. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is I would just like him to have some direction. You know, what is it you want? Do you want to be the bantamweight champ? Do you want to be the flyweight champ? Do you want to be the champ champ? Okay, in which case, you know, there's something to figure out there. But he had the one huge win at 135, which was amazing. He looked a lot better. There's still things, though, for me to build on there. You know, there's still a little bit of a, of a reprogramming that has to happen to get that style to be fully maximized to its potential. It was, it was great in that fight, but that was just one fight. So to me, it's like, dude, figure out your lane and then just stick to it for a time. And the big names are great. They certainly had a lot more visibility. But if I was in his corner, I'd be like, we still need to iron out some details. And, yeah. you know, I don't know which of these fights is the best for you to get there. Probably not the flyweight one. The Aldo one is tough, too, you know. Um, I mean, win or lose, Aldo's coming to bang, so Cody could get knocked out in this. I mean, this is no no joke there. No doubt about it. And he was, you know, he was very good about avoiding the best of uh, of of, of um, a Sun Sal, but a Sun Sal's got a very different style than Aldo, you know. I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be a manly fight. I'd be down for any of these, obviously. Um, I just didn't like him rushing to the... Let's cut down to 125 for the first time ever for the title. I mean, didn't didn't you learn from TJ in that? Stay up, Bantamweight, dude. You would have thought. Yourself. You would have. You would have thought, but no. Luke, I'm getting word that Dana has given an interview today in which uh, people were trying to guess who he has in mind for Nate Diaz in this comeback this. at 155, and that when someone this. mentioned Justin Gaethje, Dana kind of laughed and smiled. Uh, Luke, it's early here. We don't know if this is true, but. How moved would you be for Justin Gaethje and Nate Diaz? Sick fight. Super sick fight. Tough fight for Nate. You know, tough fight tough for both ass. guys. Tough fight for tough, tough but especially with the leg kicks. That's a really bad matchup for Nate because Nate just sort of eats them. And then I kind of feel like it, it ends the Masvidal way no matter what, right? You kinda like you'll break his leg or cut him bad and and, and then Nate will save face and say he won, but you know. Well, with the old Gaethje, that would be a little bit more competitive because Nate's volume eventually would play a, a, a make a difference. With the one who's a little bit more in and out, that's going to be harder to do. So, uh, it's a tough fight for Nate. It's a tough fight. Uh, you know, he can win it, but you got to like Gaethje's chances with that one. 
I do like, though, yeah. that if the UFC saying, okay, if Connor wins the belt, he wants you, Nate, assuming Habib's not around, you would think they would sub Nate in pretty quickly to get that trilogy, make it for the title. But you'd want Nate to have to beat somebody coming in. God, if he beat Gaethje, Luke, I'd let him pass go. Let him cut everybody in line, right? Yeah, right? no shit. Is I mean, that crazy? Yeah, no, you beat Gaethje. And remember, he didn't take a beating against Khabib. He just got overwhelmed on the ground. So he was looking fresh. Um, yeah, Dude, I here's agree. A, you can beat that theory. guy. You, can, you, you get a – yes. Here's a theory where I'm going to be debating around fire pits for years and people are going to say no until I make them watch the tape. Luke, I think Gaethje was two more leg – maybe even one hard leg strike away from putting Habib in peril. And I know people are hearing this going, what? oh, you, you're casual, you hate Japanese people, you don't know MMA, you're a boxing guy. Bro, <laughs> watch the damn tape, okay? Luke, I'm not I wrong. Would say, dude. I would say, I would say, when you start putting a number on it, it get, begins to get a little bit more of a concrete claim that you couldn't defend. But I think that you're right to say those leg kicks were probably having more of an effect that the alt that the is overshadowed by what happened on the ground, where you know Khabib just completely overwhelmed him. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, those leg kicks were having a real effect. They were probably hurting like shit. And he wanted to get that business done and over with. And you just forget about all of that after the fact. Was it one? Was it two? Was it seven? You know, I don't know. But I do think you're right. Something People forget a little bit about the kind of damage, I, I would say, that Gaethje was doing. One or two, I don't know if I, I buy that. I'm not dead wrong on that theory. People watch the damn tape, okay? There were three gunmen, one in the grassy knoll. Thank you. Ask Nicolas Cage and The Rock, who actually killed JFK. Luke, it's time for our favorite, my favorite segment, the segment that puts you on tilt, brother. It's when we have accountability for our actions. We look back at what went right and wrong over the past week, and we take the L's when needed. This one's called Dead Wrong. Dead Wrong. You thought you were right, Luke. You were dead freaking wrong. Luke, this set a dead wrong record. Hold on. This I want to say it one more time. These jamokes tried to say I was wrong about MF Doom's fucking death day, and I actually got it exactly right in the original clip. So to whoever sent that in... Uh, are you saying that our producers are not, are not gatekeeping this enough? Are you calling out Mikey? No, are you saying... they're exactly right. Here's what Mikey's doing. Mikey's taking He's being like, look at these fuck faces. And then throwing it up for us to read without double checking to see if it's correct. So fuck you, Mikey. Right. How about that? Wow, wow! Take that, you pasty white bitch! No, I love Mikey. Stop that. All right, no, uh, Luke. Great, but he's trying to kill us on air. That is true. Uh, Luke, this set a record for most people DMing me to try to prove that you were wrong. Luke, uh, dead wrong, brother. Arsenal plays at the Emirates Stadium in the oh, UPL. Oh yes. Manchester yes. City plays at plays Etihad, Etihad Stadium. Luke said it was That's Arsenal fair. on Friday, January 8th show. Luke, you this shows where our fan base is because all walks of life, all nationalities, people coming it's at true. you high, fast, and hard for this one. I could get yeah, less. Fair enough. That's, Luke, a, that's a very fair correction. I was dead wrong. Very good. No problem. All right. All right. Well, Luke, to continue the trend of you sucking ass and having to deal with it afterwards, <laughs> Luke, when you were talking about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who, oh, by the way, is Portuguese, not Brazilian, you dill hole. You pronounced yes, it. Yes, I know that. Ronaldo. I know. No, 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 no. 
There is no way this is correct. I have three Ronaldo jerseys in my closet. I guarantee whoever wrote this did not fucking listen. There is no fucking way that I said he was fucking Brazilian. No, well, there is a Ronaldo that was Brazilian. Well, who had the here's same one name. of the. Here's the defense from one of our viewers. Luke says Ronaldo or Ronaldo, I guess, as they would say in Brazil, as if trying to imply Ronaldo is Brazilian. The Brazilian. Oh, eat a fucking dick. I never said Cristiano fucking Ronaldo was fucking Brazilian. No fucking way. No fucking. The... Fuck you. Fuck you to whoever wrote that with this wow. bullshit that I don't wow. know where fucking here, Cristiano Ronaldo is from. Fuck the off. Brazilian Ronaldo, however, has 17.7 million Instagram followers. The one yes. Luke referenced is from Portugal. and Everybody knows is... that. No, 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 And no, there no. his name is 100% pronounced Ronaldo. You, you pronunciation yes. correcting William and Mary asshole, eat, Luke. I mean, come eat on. Eat shit. There is no way. I said that as a side comment, as a joke, as I'm working through my notes that I thought that he was from fucking Rio de Janeiro. Fuck you. No well, chance. Think... No chance, okay. Lance. Look, people aren't saying that you thought Cristiano Ronaldo was from Brazil. People are saying that you pronounced his name wrong. It's not Ronaldo. The guy's from Portugal, bro. It's Ro. That's not, well, but... but that's not what this says. Ronaldo is Portuguese. Yes, I know. He's the captain of the team. Right, but that's their way of proving that you pronounced it wrong. You pronounced it as if he was from Brazil. I've never, so he, I've literally, in the entirety of my life, BC, I have never called Cristiano Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo. And in fact, there's a Twitter thread that I have where I asked native Portuguese speakers why the European commentators don't call any of the guys from Portugal or Brazil with the H in their last name. And there's a lot of complicated reasons. Certain regions of Brazil might do it more than the others. The Portuguese don't do it as much as the Brazilians, blah, 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 blah. There's all kinds of explanations that they gave. This is an issue I have covered in totality in my life. Did I get the Emirates thing wrong? A billion times. Kill me for it. I was wrong. Fuck this guy. No chance I got this wrong. Zero percent. Wow. Wow, it was a lot of people came at you for this, Luke. Wow, Luke not taking the L on this one. A lot wow. of dumbasses. Drinking that red death flavor Powerade. Look at Luke, I love that. I, <laughs> that I got a lift after this, I got to get some hydration. All right, let's close with this on Dead Wrong. This one's on me, Luke. Uh, on the last show, BC referenced Khalil Roundtree Jr. when referring to Diego, Diego Sanchez and making a joke that he believes there is metaphysical crystal properties. The fighter I should have been referencing was actually Jared Cannonier. Luke, yeah. this, this does fall into the BC thinks all black people look the same type of uh, nonsense. <laughs> I made a mistake. Luke, they are kind of the same fighter in a way. I mean, Cannonier's better, but you know, they're, they're both strikers, Luke. Uh, I mean, Cannonier's more well-rounded. You trying to tell me Roundtree never handled a damn crystal? Prove that to me, okay? All right, prove that. Prove me wrong right there. Okay? Do, I, by the way, do you can we say this now that it's uh, it's long since passed? So this dude, and I shared it with you, so you know this. So right around the time after Fury beat Wilder, um, my brother hit me up. And my brother goes, yo, I know this guy who uh, was in... He listed off his credentials. You know, this dude had been to the, the best colleges and worked at, you know, the most prestigious firms in his industry. I don't want to say what industry it was, but, you know, this dude was not a moron. He was a really established, well, well-considered professional. And he was like, this guy uh, was in Bangkok at a nightclub and 
he says Deontay Wilder was there, you know, just days before, or maybe a week or so before <laughs> the second fight with Fury. He has evidence of it. Can he send it to you? And I'm like, well, this would be a fucking bombshell. No wonder. Yeah, like shit. you made me download WhatsApp so so that the government could so trace send it to the you. text. Okay, so I look at it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, it's definitely a black dude and he's definitely tall. I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's Deontay. And so I sent it to you. And what was your reaction? Uh, hell no, that's not Deontay Wilder. Are you kidding me? That guy doesn't look anything like him. And then I was like, to my brother, I'm like, I think you need to tell your friend he thinks all black people look alike because that ain't Deontay, not even a yeah. little bit. Uh, and there was a bunch of reasons where you could point it out. So God bless the guy. He was trying, but no, no, no. no. But that is our accountability of the week. If you uh, hear us say anything else that's wrong or you just like sticking your finger in Luke's sores and spinning it around a little bit. And then maybe smelling it afterwards. That'd be gross. Oh, let me uh, ask you a question. Did you have yeah. people email you or whatever, hit you up in some kind of way about fighters that they thought were storming the Capitol? No, I did not. I, I, oh, I instead get the, the, the well-meaning, lengthy, please, that I retire my ignorant, quasi-racist shtick because it's only going to ruin your career, Luke. I get people looking out for you when I'm saying, look, I'm just being me, bro. I'm just having fun out here, all right? Okay, well, after they stormed the Capitol, all those you know, QAnon barnacle, I had people reach out to me being like, I've spotted several fighters and then showing me pictures. And then like, I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, these ain't the fighters. There was one that was kind of close and then I verified for sure it was not the person. But I had I got a bunch of those afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that's uh. Well, Luke, I mean, would it have made you? Would you have been surprised, Luke, if half no. of the UFC's uh, you know, light heavyweight division showed up there? Would you have been surprised? <laughs> well, because half are European, yes. But let's say I don't know half middleweight or some shit. No, I I would not. I would not have been surprised. All right. at all. Well, please, if you have more corrections or fan submissions for Wednesday's show, send us an email at morning. Sorry, morning combat at gmail.com is the official email address. Uh, also, you can DM me anything you want except for nude pictures. Okay, thank you. God, now I'm not even going to say it. Somebody sent me something so reprehensible, Luke, that it made me want to. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to glorify it. Uh, Luke, that's what we got for that. We close every Friday that we remember to prepare for it with just a tip. Tip to tip. Something having to do with a tip. There it is. Okay. Tip. Luke, this is a segment where we give advice where we shout out a product, where we do some type of tip of the cap to something. Luke, would you like to go first here? You do have producer credits. Uh, well, for those reasons, sure, I would. This is sad news, but it's a bit of get it while you can. Um, here it is. You should go buy Thomas Pink shirts. And I said this to Gaffey once. There it is. Why do I bring this up? Two reasons. One, they have completely gone out of business. The reason why I say you can buy it, though, is places like uh, other retailers have leftover inventory and when that's gone it's just gone there's nothing left now why do i tell you to buy it well i used to work uh on k street shocker bc and there was uh, the mayflower what is, that? what is k that's where street? all the that... all the lobbyists and law firms are that are oh, making oh, our democracy sorry. worse uh anyway there near there is uh, on 17th in connecticut is um just off of it, the Mayflower Hotel. That's where that dude, uh, the former governor of New York, got caught um, getting his whistle wet. 
a million times. Um, Who? Anthony Weiner? Which one was this? No, 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 no. He, he was never governor of New York. Um, uh, what's his face? I can see his face in my in my head. But the point being is this. In that oh, hotel. Oh, is that the, the blind floor- guy? The blind guy, Luke? Not the blind guy. Not the blind guy. Hold on. <laughs> Just hold on. Now that, you're, now that you're bringing it up. Mayflower. Ed Koch? What are you? Where are we going with this? Ed Ed Koch, who would wet his whistle? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Ed Koch? Uh, are, let's, Ed Robert Koch Kraft. Robert Kraft. Thing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, Spitzer. Spitzer? Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. Elliot Manich Spitzer. jumping in with Spitzer. Thank and by the way, what, what was he? Was he governor at the time, or what was he? Yes, he was governor of New York. Yes, Elliot Spitzer. Okay. I don't live in New York. So here's York. the deal. In in yeah. the in the in the main floor, there was a Thomas Pink clothing there. Thomas Pink was a British brand that um, specialized in shirt making, and they were very expensive. I could not hardly afford it. So what I would do is, I would save my money as much as I could, and then I would buy what I could: the ties and the shirts. But they have other stuff too. BC, I have never felt. Like you just put on that shirt and you felt like a million fucking dollars. You felt like you could walk into any job interview and get it, any presentation and ace it. You know this as well as I do. There is something about wearing a nice suit or a nice, you know, nice clothing. I don't mean nice as inexpensive, but the right kind of fit, the right kind of moment to just make you be the best version of yourself. And uh, I was devastated to learn that they had gone out of business. Apparently, the coronavirus has put suit businesses in general or like, you know, high end, you know, men's clothing um, or, you know, not even high end. Like Joseph A. Bank apparently is in trouble or whatever. Any any kind of suit making business. The, the, the pandemic has fucked those businesses up, as you could well imagine. And Thomas Pink is done for. I was devastated. Never in my life, BC, have I felt so confident about the way I looked and when I wore one of those shirts. And if you have a chance to get one. You know, I know they're on, they're a little bit on the expensive side. You don't need many. You need one maybe in your closet, two if you're lucky. But get one with the leftover inventory if you can. I cannot recommend more how well they fit, how well they are made, how long they last. I will look this up, Luke. I, I like this. I like this tip. Yeah, yeah. I'll look this up. I, Ta- I haven't even yeah, heard of that company. I'm sorry. Oh, you know? man. I was devastated. They had a, they had a, they had a shop on uh, 6th Avenue. I used to pass it every time I walked to SiriusXM when I would leave Morning Combat. I'm so sad to learn about what had happened to them. So um, whatever's left of what's out there, it, go get it. I would have guessed it was wearing a different kind of pink that would make you that confident, Luke. You know, That's a stupid yeah. thing to say because you're a stupid, stupid man. Go ahead. No, it's it's an Aerosmith song, Luke. I, I was a part of the 90s. Weren't you with me on that? Put the clicker down there. All right. Uh, like, they, like they say in The Rock, I don't listen to soft-ass shit. Pink, you love at first sight. Uh, Luke, my tip of the week is some advice. And it goes out to one unbeaten lightweight, Ryan Garcia. Fresh off a fantastic knockout win over Luke Campbell in which he got off the deck to do it. Uh, Shout out to Golden Boy Promotions, which has sent Ryan Garcia on one hell of a media tour over the past few weeks, Luke. This guy's showing up on everyone's mainstream podcast and TV show. and I mean... He didn't show up in morning combat. I mean, where, how are we not getting anyone anymore, Luke? Oh, um, I, did you did you ask for him? We should have asked for him. I bet we could have gotten him. I didn't realize he was going to do this extensive of a tour. Well, he took himself yesterday to the Rich Eisen show, of course, the radio and uh, also a TV show. I think it airs on the Peacock app these days. And Luke, um, it was a very confident, cocky, you know, a- interview. And I'll say this about Ryan Garcia: he never lacked for confidence, but since Really, this victory, I'm hearing him speak at a 
just a with a boldness in his voice. Like that that thing we showed last week, Luke, with him on the Mike Tyson show on the hot boxing thing, calling out Tank Davis. Like that's a little bit out of character for him. Well, he was on the Rich Eisen show going off, and one thing he said was that was somewhat interesting. Is I don't believe him, but he said it that he's only got four years left in this game. That he wants to retire unbeaten at age twenty six, and from now until then, he wants to fight all the big names, all killer, no filler. And look, I mean, you could take that news with what it is, right? And just say, okay, more power to you. I hope you do that. I want to see you in all these big fights. I, I love when fighters can negotiate their own end game and, and get out early and just say, look, I've, I've done all this. I made a lot of money. I'm fine. That's all My daughter's great. here. Keep, keep talking. Keep talking. But the part I didn't like, Luke, is what he closed with. This long, empowered rant that when he gets to 26 and when he retires unbeaten, Luke, that he plans... To then look around, and if there's anyone in the world who's considered the best fighter, even if it's UFC, that he's going to go. Look, I can't follow this. I mean, come on. I can't follow this. I mean, <laughs> this was a stupid point. Ryan Garcia said stupid things. Let's say hi so to my So Ryan daughter. Garcia basically said, Luke, at 26 when he's unbeaten, if it means going into the octagon to prove that he's the best in the world, he's going to do it, and he's going to knock this guy out and blah, blah. Here's the thing, Ryan Guy. Stop talking about the octagon. Like, call out everyone. Call out somebody in boxing two weight classes ahead of you. Call out Floyd Mayweather. Call out anybody. Call out Conor McGregor to come to the boxing ring. Stop saying that without any extra training, you're just going to walk. It's just a waste of our time, and it makes you look stupid. And you're coming off such a great stretch where you look great. Milk that. Stay away from the octagon. Luke, back to your daughter here. Ducky, ducky, all right? Broccoli. <laughs> Owl. Owl. <laughs> Apple. Apple. Um. Chickadee wah. No, you don't want to say anything else. Uncle Pepe. Can you say Pepe? Pepe. <laughs> Can you say Brian? <laughs> Can you say Brian? Say Brian. Say Brian. V-O, try. say Brian. V-O. Say Brian. Say try. Say Brian. Oh, that means she's hungry. Okay. All right, you want to say good? Here, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. There you go. Woo! You want to say oh, hi to the, the people? Wave. Wave. Say hi to the people with your shirt is a mess. It's all dirty. Hey, you want to tell everyone you shit on the floor this morning? Yeah, you should. Oh my God, Luke! You can't embarrass her like that. Come on, Luke. Uh, she's my little angel. She's my. Little say it angel. was the dog, or say it was Booger, right? Hey, were you my? Are you my little angel? Owl. Owl. You want to see owls? Okay. Well, we were derailing the show, but I'm. It's my fault. It's not yours. Okay. Please don't. Please don't poop on the floor. Okay. Tigers. Okay, tigers. Lore. There we go. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Gracias. Oh, Luke, these moments are priceless. Luke, one day you can put this together in a reel of all her great appearances on your shows, but maybe you can bleep out the please don't shit on the floor moving forward comment. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to send that to her when she goes on her first date. I mean, did she just like, she just picked a spot out and was like, yeah, this this looks good right here. They were they were going to bathe her this morning and they did bathe her, but they what they did was so you got you to gotta play it right. They took her clothes off and they, un- they took off her diaper 
and they were going to send her right to the bathroom, but then they waited a second to go like check the mail or just let her run around naked for, you know, 30 Bad seconds. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah, you just don't you just don't do that. By the way, one note here, I was on Nordstrom Rack looking up Thomas Pink shirts. Ready? As they get rid of their inventory, I cannot overstate the sales. They had a a blue dress shirt, normal price, 180 bucks, down to $59. $59 down from 180. Go get anything Thomas Pink sells. Trust me. Yeah. And and the other pink, you know, if you can, if you can pull that off too, right? You know. You're so dumb. All right, Luke, that's our show for this day, Friday. Uh, please, everyone, enjoy uh, the comeback of the USC in UFC. Enjoy the fights on ABC this weekend. Um, please continue to patronize us in terms of our merch at store.show.com. Luke, I know you gave a lot of talk about Thomas Pink, but nothing fits, Luke, like that makes you feel like a million bucks like MK merch, okay? All right? All right? That's true. I mean, that just it just feels so good, Luke. It just feels so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, please head on over to Showtime.com for your 30-day free trial. Tell them BC sent you. You'll get a nice... Uh, you'll probably get some merch that, that they won't send Luke, but they will send me. Also, uh, please check out our extensive uh, bonus work from Luke's live chat yesterday to our interviews this week with Michael Chiesa, with Michael Chandler. A lot of Michaels going on. Shout out to Michael Mormile, our producer as well. Um, there's our social handles and channels. You can follow us there as well. A great week for Gaff, Manich, anyone not named Jay who has produced this show. Shout out to those guys as well. Uh, Luke, you have any other final message for the people? No, next week is going to be interesting because there's three events. So, uh, well, sort of three. I mean, three in a eight-day span. Obviously, Monday show will react to the weekend's fights. I don't yet know. We can't say a whole lot about Wednesday's show. I don't, or even Thursday's live chat. There's still a lot that's up in the air. But here's what I know: we are going to have tons of extra coverage next week. We're just not exactly sure what the plan is yet, right, BC? Yeah, um, we we are going to have. Um... We're going to have a lot of good stuff potentially next week. There's some decisions that have to be made, but if if they vote yes, Luke, uh, next week's going to be a special one for MK. Obviously, uh, Showtime Boxing's back. Conor McGregor's going to top all the headlines. It's going to be a great week with a Wednesday show with UFC 257, but uh, we're looking to uh, penetrate our people's face holes with great content coming your way, Luke. Luke, there's a let's just say it. There's a chance you and I are going to be in person this week. And if we do, Luke, we are going to make yes. the magic happen, okay? We are. Right. Uh, it's gonna a, be, but I don't want to get people's hopes up. It's not confirmed. We don't know yet, but we're there's a there's a decent possibility. How about that? All right. I love it. I love our viewers. Thank you to everybody for supporting us. Please like this video. If you haven't subscribed yet and you've been grazing off the land for free, please do it. We just hit 75K yesterday, Luke. Our boy Gaff Pierre sent us a great text to celebrate that. Um we're going big, okay? Luke, I don't know how soon we're going to get to 100, but if people knew the kind of plans we have moving forward, it could be quick. Uh, if we get to 500K, your boy BC has to get a tattoo, apparently. And you know my history with needles. I was even talking to Kiesa about the damn uh, three needles, Luke. Really really a dark point in my life. You bring Would that you up like it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Luke, I mean, how how much do you value your your 
your your satch, your 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 package. You know what I'm saying? Like, would you want? I mean, can I penetrate that three times, Luke? I mean, really? Where, where, where I think I think more of the issue is what kind of health care did you have that you went to a guy who did Civil War dentistry as yeah. sack <laughs> surgery? I know no research. I I, I picked out a butcher, a 75 year old Vietnam veteran who was working one day a week. But they said he's done thousands of them. He's great. You know. You know what's funny? is I ran into two other dads in this town, randomly had conversations. Somehow we ended up on vasectomy, and they're like, oh, no, please tell me you didn't go to the butcher. We all went to the same guy, Luke. So, yeah. I was Sweet. a man coming in, Luke. I left exactly how I am right now. So we had a good run there. A, all right, a Luke. Very uh, a very damaged man. A very damaged man. Uh, may all your ex-lovers be satisfied and all your gains, you know, whatever you can do with them. My name is BC for Luke Thomas and the great crew at Showtime Malka CBS Sports. Signing off for now with two words. We out. I got to take a dump. <laughs>